When you're infected with the Peloton, there's only one cure. Welcome to the Pelotonitis Podcast. Hello. Welcome to the Pelotonitis Podcast. was our 92nd episode. And my name is Anna. And I'm Jeff. Welcome, listeners. Welcome. <laughs> we are here this week. We're basically just going to wrap up uh, the Vuelta and sort of talk about yeah, I guess we have probably a week and a half <clears throat> since we got the last one. We did the last one so late. Yeah, it was kind of mid-race. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's not a, usually we like to do like one a week, but we didn't want to overburden week, but... you with too much uh podcast listening. Right, too much um yeah, too much Walter. <laughs> nope. So All right. Yeah, so <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I guess we're going to just talk about the race itself, kind of like what happened on the stages, things like that. And then, you know, so Jeff, why don't you get us started? Let's just get right into it. Okay. We'll, to... we'll catch up with stage 12, which yes, uh, that's where we left off, where we left off. It was a circuit race, kind of a weird mix up of a non-traditional stage in the middle of a grand tour, but that's cool. Mm. Um, crash in the final turn took out, Michael Matthews um, and Buhani was held up also. So it came down to the rest of the sprinters, and Degenkolb still took the win ahead of a charging Boonen. Tom <laughs> Boonen. Never would have expected Degenkolb and Boonen to be in the same sentence. Yeah, and Guarnieri, who I'm not familiar with, took third, and Sagan was in fourth. Wait, Sagan? Sagan. Oh, I've. I forgot he was at that race. He was still in it <laughs> at that point. <laughs> well, I guess. <laughs> huh, interesting. Like so how about stage lately. 13? Yeah, so... Oh, boy. I don't remember. Was this a mountain finish? Anyway, yes, it was. Um, Navarro, basically, was... Uh, yeah, it came down winner. to a final climb on an uncategorized climb. Yes. So it wasn't necessarily like, you know, poor category, like mountaintop finish climb, but it was sort of at the top of a climb. Um, Navarro basically timed his attack perfectly in the last two kilometers. You had uh, Brent Bielo was there and he attacked. And then let's see what it was. Uh, Moreno and Kelderman were kind of on his tail like as he was he kind of launched his attack and yeah and Brandon Calderman and all them they were on his tail but they it was a pretty close finish it wasn't like a you know a giant solo win <laughs> it wasn't exactly right. the uh, the pack breathing down his neck but it was definitely at least those the the guys left of the break were there it was that thing where everybody expected the GC guys to do something almost yep. and i think Navarro just kind of caught him right at the right time when they were looking at each other. Yep. Um, Froome did try and put in a dig. I guess the GC were just, I don't know. I guess, I mean, they had the the next three days were these massive mountain stages. So, I mean, it's not surprising to me that the GC riders didn't do anything. Um, but Froome, I think, is getting a little desperate, was getting a little desperate. So, he tried a little dig, but nothing happened from it. So... Yep. It wasn't 
in terms of a GC day, nothing interesting really happened. Um, I think the finish was, I didn't get to watch it live, but the finish seemed quite exciting. Yeah, it was almost like Regardless. a classic finish coming up that final ramp sprint. Yeah. You know, and who was left was just duking it out. So Right, yeah, yeah. Because it's not like a um, classic finish stage. You know, like it wasn't a huge, huge climb, but it was definitely enough of a climb to be a challenge. So. Right. Oops. Anyway. Yeah, so that was stage 13. Okay, stage 14, Ryder Hejdal. What? On La Camperona. Yeah. So it was like the last, that was like, there was three mountaintop finish days in a row. And so this was kind of the first one of that. Yeah. So from the break, Oliver Zog uh, countered Ryder's attack. And Ryder just kind of slowly reeled him in. And came around with, oh, I forget how much, maybe 200 meters to go. And held him off. So Ryder takes the win. The GC guys come in after that. And I don't think... Oh, Froome attack. Froome attacked from the GC Froome group. attack! <laughs> Which kind of surprised Contador. But gained only about seven seconds, I believe, over... Contador Valverde so it it was yeah. a little whittling away um, but not much and the yeah. other thing that I have on that is uh, Peter Sagan drops out ah, so this was the day he dropped out yeah Okay. as did Johan Schopp which I looked up since last week <laughs> what? I think last week I couldn't remember Schopp oh shop's first name <laughs> it is mm. johan indeed it is so how about um, stage 15 yes second mountaintop finish um this was another solo well ish when it uh, Niemich, i can't remember mm-hmm. what, what his first name is very complicated so we're just gonna stick with his last name <laughs> <laughs> i've heard it pronounced about six different ways so Love. And if you are pa- Phil and Paul, you know, <laughs> say it however you want. Feel free. Exactly. Um, so basically, as they were coming up, Niemich was in the breakaway, right? He was Correct. just left over from the breakaway. Yeah. So he just ended up being the one guy that was able to stick it through the breakaway. Um, what was really interesting was what was happening behind him in the GC, you have basically a three-way battle going on between Valverde, Rodriguez, and Contador. Um, Froome kind of kept getting dropped. And, you know, I think he seemed to be... This race was... I mean, we'll talk about this more later. But basically, yeah, I mean, he was just sort of mitigating his losses at this time in terms of, like, just riding his own pace, doing his own thing, not blowing himself up. Yeah. So... But basically, you had, I mean, it was super epic. Like, just the three of them, Valverde, like the three Spanish, you know, big shots, just attacking. So, Valverde was riding, basically just riding defensively. He was not doing much attacking. Um, He was kind of leaving it up. Rodriguez and Contador kind of were attacking quite a bit, but could never really drop anyone. Yeah, they Um, were really duking it out. They really were. But, you know, they just came back swinging, you know, like... Rodriguez would go and Contador would catch up and then 
Contador go and Rodriguez and Connor, you know, and, and Valverde just kind of hung on. I mean, I don't know if it's because he, that was his plan. He didn't want to burn himself out, whatever. Yeah, but the way they were battling it out is more like a, you know, for the stage rather than put time on Froome. Yes. You know, yes. I think Froome benefited from them. I don't know the, the style that they did that. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think um, that is also another theme from this race as well. Um, I think those two kind of, the three of them kind of got tied up in each other. There was a lot of instances I felt like where they could have just worked together, put in a lot of time on Froome, then duked it out later, you know? Right. But I guess they were more worried about each other than they were worried about Froome. So. So the most exciting thing for that stage for me, who was up there with Nemec? Mm, not, Cam, oh. Cam Mayer. Yeah, he almost <laughs> he almost had it. He almost had it. He couldn't hold on, man. That, nope. Yeah, couldn't. That last little bit was too much for him. And he ended up in sixteenth place, two minutes down. You know, and he's there with, not... within the final kilometer, and that's how steep the little last part was. It's like, oh, I mean, that's man. not bad though, considering usually people who are in the people right. who are in the breakaway get caught. They end up dropping all the way to the end back. Right. You know, so. That's still pretty good. So this was a stage where it was the first big, um, I, I would say big GC shakeup again. I don't know. Maybe yeah. there was a little bit of that in the stage before, but you have Valverde. He's a minute. He's just 31 seconds. I mean, gosh, Valverde was only 31 seconds behind Constor. Right. It's really not very much that close yeah and Froome and Rodriguez were tied in third and you knew they'd be nipping at his heels and you know he lost the seconds he gained the day before that was Froome yeah that was kind of yeah the, the gist of that yeah and Rod, I mean yeah so it's probably guess oh good for Rodriguez at least in that particular <laughs> yeah at this point in time it's still he's still fine so then stage 16, which is sort of our last big mountain stage in a row. Yeah. And that one, I just have Contador unstoppable. Um, <laughs> that was, he just dominated that thing. Um, the main story of that day, other than Contador winning, was uh, the fist fight that broke out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. In the break. Um yeah, Brambia and uh, was it Rodney? Mm-hmm. So you're in the break. I, I just wanted to chat this up with you real quick. Yeah. And Rodney's on Contador's team, and he gets himself in the break. And you got to think, what's his, you know, what's his tactic? He's just sitting in there. He's not going to do any work. But. I, the the one analysis that makes sense to me is somebody said uh, Brambia was pissed that Rodney was screwing up the tempo. You know, when he got on the front, he would just change things up. And it's like, that seems normal, <laughs> you know? Um, but I guess they disagreed over that and started to have words. Uh, Brambia comes over and does the little hug, you know, the little arm on the shoulder. Or was it the other way around? No, Brambia came over. What I think 
Gosh, I honestly don't know. I mean, I've watched it a no, couple no, no. of times. It was, but... it was Romney. I'm sorry. I got that backwards. So, yeah, they had words. Uh, Romney comes over and says, hey, dude, just chill. It's all good. <laughs> you know, kind of does the little hug move, and Brambia wasn't having it and just kind of slapped him away, and then it ended up into a little fisticuffs riding up a climb. That was kind of nuts. Yeah, I... I don't know. I'm. I feel. I, I don't. I don't know. I had a hard time finding it as amusing because it seemed like it had pretty bad. I mean, that's like not good. Like the consequences for something like that seem pretty high. I mean, they both ended up getting kicked out of the race, and then Brambilla got ended up kicked out of the the world squad. And I mean, that is also going to look bad, like when it comes time to renewing contracts and things like that. I don't know. I just, I know. I don't know. It's not. I wasn't following Brambia's first cool. episode. Huh? It's not Brambia's first episode. I don't think. Oh, okay. I think he's a little bit of a hothead. Yeah. Yeah. I just. I mean, obviously, I think they were both in the wrong. I mean, I. I don't. I didn't read any articles sort of explaining the situation, like where they said this is what happened, but. I don't know. It just seems like a bad situation for everybody involved. Yeah. I mean, it's their own fault. They shouldn't have gotten angry with each other and, like, taken it to that level. But, it's, I mean, it's when the you're heat stressed of out on the bike. Yeah, it's the heat of battle, and they're having a disagreement. It just gets exactly. a little bitch slappy. Yeah, I mean, I guess I was just nervous about the consequences, like what's going to happen, you know? You know, the main consequence from that? I don't know. Is... They figured out a way to get cycling into the mainstream sports coverage. Ha ha, I know, right? We need right? more fistfights. <laughs> I know. Remember that one? Wasn't there, uh, like, in the 2010s or something, like, that Carlos Barreto went after somebody with a wheel? Right. After the finish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I vaguely remember news. that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That was the... That was a drama, not like the only drama, not the biggest drama in my opinion. Okay. Um, <laughs> wait, which one was that? Uh, that was what? What stage were we on? Sixteen. Sixteen. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. Okay. Oh, sorry. Continue back to the actual racing bit. <laughs> oh no, you've got some good notes there, so fill in. Um, I mean, basically, Froome did all the aggressing. He was really active today. It was very strange, like, you know, Froome would go one day where he wouldn't do anything and he'd just be, like, fighting to hang on. And the next day, it's like, he's Mr. Attacker. Um, But, you know, Froome attacked at 5K to go. Constador went with him um, and basically stayed on his wheel until the final kilometer and then attacked to win the stage. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) I'm sure Constador was, Froome was pretty pissed about it, but... I mean, at least he put time into the other two. Right, right. So he handily dispatched Rodriguez. Um, So he put in quite a bit of time into Rodriguez. I mean, he's still... And then at this point, like, Valverde is 136 behind and Room is 139. So, you know, he had a real clear... So I think maybe he must clearly was, you know, looking to get that... Not only secure place in the podium, but I'm sure now... At this point, he's like, okay, now maybe I can get to the second step. Yeah, yeah. So. 
Valverde and Rodriguez really were unable to follow. And I mean, it could just be, I mean, they were, we just had two intense days of, especially Rodriguez. I'm not surprised one bit because the previous day he had spent the whole day attacking Contador. So clearly Valverde had the better tactic to just sort of <laughs> let the other two kind of duke it out and just kind of hang on at the back. Right. So, um, Dumarshi ended up taking third place and then, um, which is, he was the you know, leftover from the breakaway, but I thought it was pretty great that he was able to hang on to third place. Yeah. Yeah. So good for him. Good okay. on him. All right. And stage 17. Stage 17. Yes. I'll grab that one. That was after our rest day. So after this, after 16, it was a rest day and then 17. Yeah. Was the day after. Kind of a sprint day. Uh, after catching the break late, it was kind of a chaotic sprint. Deckenkolb held off Matthews and Cancellara for the finale. Yep. Yeah. Working towards that green jersey. I yeah, think that was the was. day he kind of sealed it, you know. Um, was it right. last year? He had four wins and it still wasn't enough to get green. So Gosh, that's crazy. This year it was like, no question. It's like, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Let's not mess around. So I thought that was actually kind of a smart idea to maybe to have that, have a sprint stage right after the rest day. Because I think it's hard to sprintish day anyway. Yeah. Instead of jumping right hard. back to the mountains. Right. I think it's hard. It's always hard, especially for GCers who've been attacking a lot to get back into the saddle after a rest day. So they probably appreciated having a little bit more of a low key day. Mm-hmm. Um, then stage 18, another mountain finish. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Vuelta. I know. This is a very impressive Walter. Final week. So basically, we had a kind of a replay of uh, Stage 16. Um, it was Fabio Aru, though, this time, instead of Contador. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, Froome basically launched a sneak attack. There was Aru, Fabio Aru was part of the lead group, and he kind of went off, and then you know, the four of them are behind and they're just kind of looking and like Contador squeezes between like the barriers and, and, um, uh, Valverde and gets up to him. And I don't know why nobody chased him down. Like if they just thought too late and they're like, we're not going to bother. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Um, so basically it was a replay of stage 16. Froome did all the work to basically get time in on his players and to his, um, you know, his rivals and then Aru kind of followed along and then took the sprint in the last, you know, K or whatever, last 500 meters. Yeah. It looked like Froome might take it because I guess, yep. it, you know, he was after the time bonus at, for the win. Um, but you know, yeah. Aru deserved it. I thought, cause he's the one that shook up the whole thing. You know, he launched the attack, a couple guys chased him and then it started the GC guys, you know, and Froome chasing after. Yep, exactly. So that was a that was a fun fun finish. It was, yeah. And then behind him, it's the same sort of thing. Like Valverde Rodriguez Conador seemed more concerned about messing with each other than trying to chase Froome down and limit their losses. Right. I mean, clearly Conador was not concerned. But you would have thought Valverde might have been a bit more concerned. I don't know. You would think. <laughs> or maybe he just didn't have it. I don't uh, know. Yeah. I mean 
like I said last time, he was really strong in the tour and faded. And I think by the end of the season, you know, all that stuff adds up. Yeah. And who knows? Cam Mayer dropped out that day. Aww. <laughs> and Cancelera also. I'm surprised they lasted that long. Yeah. Stage 19 I watched. Um, yeah. That, that was pretty exciting in that it looked like a typical sprinter's day. Um, they catch the break. There's maybe 10 or 15K to go. All the sprinter teams are kind of working together. And with 5K to go, Adam Hansen just launches this attack off the front of the sprinter groups. And I think either they hesitated or they didn't take it seriously. They just thought it was one of those, you know, late attacks that's going to fade. Um, but as they kind of figured out what they were going to do, he just slowly built seconds. You know, it was like seven seconds. Then it was 14. Then all of a sudden he's got 25, you know, and coming into the last K, he had a, a considerable lead, but still those sprinter teams ramp up and they get so fast. You never know. Um, but he, he just motored his head was down just powering away that guy looked great and uh held him off um i forget how far behind in seconds the main group was but degenkolb took second so he still got plenty of points uh yeah my impression was that it, i mean it wasn't like a super like mountainous stage or climbing i maybe it was more like a classic z stage mm -hmm. you know that type of stuff um but it was enough to sort of use up the teams. And when Adam went, by the time Adam went that last bit, um, like Degenkolb, I think, only had one teammate left. Or I'm sorry, I don't think he had any teammates left. And like Michael Matthews only had one teammate or something like that. And all the other teams are like, why should we drag Degenkolb up to the finish? You know, just so he can mm -hmm. beat us. You know, he's won four stages already. Um, so I think that's why I think there just wasn't any way to have sort of a dedicated chase in the chase group because there was nobody willing to <laughs> right be to drag Dagen Colm up. So that makes a lot I of think, sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, think I guess I didn't realize why. it was whittled down that much. I, I that was my impression. Yeah. I mean, based on I what I read. I think you're probably right. Yeah. Is that there just wasn't any, there was, yeah, it had been enough. And I, kind of feel like at least the giant Shimano team has been working really hard. I feel like there aren't my understanding is that there aren't maybe a, there weren't a lot of giant Shimano team members that are at a hundred percent anymore. So right, and especially right. if they have basically been working all day to like make sure the break came back. And one comment that I heard was that, that maybe they caught the break a little bit too early Oh, because sometimes if you know if you catch the break too early, then that gives a lot of other people an opportunity to like, oh, I guess I'll try a little flyer and see what right. happens, you know. And then they got to chase that person down. So, for whatever reason, Adam was able to get away. And it was it was an no impressive effort. Yeah. Yes, no problem with that. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So what happened stage 20? 20 our last mountain stage finish. Whoa. Crazy. <laughs> um, were you able to watch this stage? No, I was riding yesterday. my bike. Oh, much better. 
Much <laughs> I better idea. Have. And I meant to go watch the final kilometer video, but I haven't of done course. that yet. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> so this is another like super exciting um, stage. You have um, Contador basically t- takes another stage. Um, but another it's kind of really... the grand finale of the GC battle. You know? Oh, it really yeah, was. I mean, just you was waiting for this point. Oh my gosh! Yeah, this would be like it's like they planned it this way, or you know, it's like a movie <laughs> script a little bit. <laughs> um, so it. Let's see. So Rodriguez goes. They've caught the. You know, there's no breakaway up the road anymore. Um, Rodriguez goes, and they kind of let him go, you know. Valverde, Contador, and Firmware are sort of all together behind. Um, but Valverde is kind of dropping back. Um, so first you... So, okay, so Rodriguez is up the road. Valverde is lagging a little bit behind. So basically you have Contador and Froome together. So Froome basically attacks Contador three different times. The first time they catch Rodriguez, who's up the road. The second time, they finally drop Valverde for good, who had caught back up to them. And then the third time, they drop Rodriguez, who had they had just caught. <laughs> <laughs> so eventually, it just ends up being, from again, sort of a uh, very reminiscent of stage 16, again. Um, it's just Froome and Contador uh, together, and Froome just keeps, you know, attacking and putting in little digs and whatever, but... All the Contador eventually gets the point. It's like, I'm tired of all this chasing you down. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> and just, he attacks and it was over. So, to me, it seemed pretty obvious that Froome was, or that Contador was playing with Froome a little bit, or just a little less, was not that concerned, obviously, about what Froome was dishing out. Didn't seem concerned. Yeah. So, it's good to hear the, Froome was doing the attacking. You know, yes. Instead of just looking at the power meter and just motoring away. <laughs> um, the only the biggest the biggest um, consequence of that day was that Froome put in a lot of time on Valverde. Right. So that was he wasn't really able to shake Contador one bit, but he um, was able to really cement his place in second. Yeah, he had second place sure. by a little bit, but now it was yep. a lot. So that was exactly he just, just a couple seconds. There. Exactly. Um, on a side note, I was watching a video, the video of it, and it must have been on the last, you know, on the part of the climb, the last part of the climb where there's no barriers or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, they had cops, like, on the side of the road, and you could just see them. Like, there was one, like, every 10 feet or so, and they were, like, on both sides of the road, and they were, like, shoving their whistles and, like, shoving back the spectators <laughs> and pushing them out of the way. I kind of noticed that on one of the other stages. Yeah, they're they're spaced out. They're almost getting in the way, but, you know, they're holding the fans back, too. So. Right, yeah. They're sort of, like, there to sort of, I don't know. I don't exactly know what their point is, but they were quite effective. I was like, oh, I think other races <laughs> should do that, you know? It seems more effective to put barriers up, but I guess there's places you probably can't put barriers up, you know, if there's not much room on the side of the road to have all of that. Right. Hmm. Unlimited Um, barriers. Yeah, exactly. Human barriers instead. So, yeah. That was a pretty epic finale to a pretty great race. 
Yeah. And then today we had a final individual time trial. It was really short. I didn't realize how short it was. Yeah. Um, so if anybody was holding off to gain some time in the time trial, it wasn't going to happen. This is because, nine kilometers. Yeah. It's kind of like a prologue. Yeah. Epilogue. Um, it's more like an epilogue. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I guess the rain picked up through the day. Yeah. So the early guys had the advantage, which, I, I don't know, makes it interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and Malori, the Italian on Movistar team, takes the win ahead of Jesse Sargent and Rowan Dennis. Um, and the GC guys all just kind of played it safe and did not shake things up at all. I mean, so. yeah, as good as, like, as good as... um. Uh, Froome is at time trialing. I feel like uh, nine kilometers is probably <laughs> not enough to make not up a enough minute. time. Yeah, <laughs> to make up a minute, minute over a minute difference. Yeah. Plus, he's probably like, you know what? I don't want to crash here and fuck up the rest of my season. So, I can get that. So, are you a fan of the final time trial, or not a fan of the final time trial? Um, I mean. I'm not necessarily a fan of time trials in general just because they're boring to watch. However, I do appreciate that they can really shake up a GC. So having so it at the finale, yeah. I mean, a little bit, I kind of feel like if you're going to do a final time trial, it should be something like a distance that's enough to... <laughs> but you know what? They were probably like, what else can we do on our last day? I guess they could have done a sprint, but maybe they were just, you know, they were like... A sprint or a time trial are like the two options. Right. And maybe they were just tired. They, you know, they didn't want to end on a sprint. And they was like, oh, let's try something different. That's so, the Vuelta. You could finish on a mountaintop. <laughs> it would not surprise me. Wouldn't no, because you got to finish in Madrid. So oh, there's true. no mountaintops we'll in Madrid. Madrid. Well, yeah, put a mountain in Madrid. Why not? <laughs> like that movie. Are you, are you not dedicated to your cycling tour? <laughs> That'd be pretty epic. Well, I, I just saw some discussion that, you know, some people are not fans of the final time trial. and You know, the the parade in Madrid and the final sprint is okay, but I'd, I'd rather see some kind of decisive race. And, uh, yeah, nine kilometers probably isn't enough to do it, but I'd rather see a decent time trial than uh, just a another sprint yeah. and a parade lap. That is very true. That is very true. You won't have... If you have the time trial, then you're not getting the, like, let's drink champagne on our bikes while we ride our bikes and take pictures while holding champagne glasses. That is very true. I guess some people are fans of that. So didn't good. um, didn't the Giro, didn't the one of the years that Nibali won the Giro, didn't they do a time trial as their final stage? Uh, probably. Because I I can't feel, remember that part. <laughs> maybe I'm, I feel like there was, like, a, thing like they were finishing inside wherever it is that they finish like that's where the finish line was or something hmm. i don't remember anyway yeah so it's not obviously unprecedented i think it's happened so so that's the get, vuelta yeah our final gc you got contador and Froome is 110 behind then valverde 150 and then rodriguez firmly back there and forth in 310 <laughs> I'm sorry, three three twenty five back. 
to me, the most exciting thing is that Fabio Aru um, came, was in fifth. Yep. Oh, my God. And Sammy Sanchez, sixth? What? That guy. And then Martin in seventh, Warren Bargill. Martin was impressive in the consistency, I guess, of, you know, he had a horrible first time trial, lost a bunch of time in the first week, and just never gave up. Yeah. You know, he's still featured in quite a few stages. Uh, he was still a player in the final climbs, you know, not winning, but being up there. Um, right. And and ended up in seventh, which was impressive. I mean, it's 10 minutes down, which two or three of those were just in one or two stages early on. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, it's not like. Right. Once you get to sixth place, you're nine minutes, you know, so it's the top three are really close. And then Rodriguez and after that, you know, it's a pretty big time margin. But still, you know, like that's still a a feat in itself. There was a huge gap between Sammy Sanchez and Fabio Aru, though. So I think Fabio Fabio was definitely kind of in a a league of his own. Right. And he had lost a bunch of time early on, too. Yeah. Yeah. So I was I was really very impressed with Aru that he was able to to stay in fifth, you know, yes. and finish so well. And let's see, yeah, I don't know. That's the only other interesting. So I've got Degenkolb has the points jersey, but yep. we knew that. Um, Luis Leon Sanchez ended up with a mount. Yep. Which he attacked for every time he could get himself in a break and take mountain points. And that's how it should be. <laughs> Um, did Valverde yeah, so have over, mountains for a while? What I thought Valverde had the mountain jersey for a little I bit. I think he did. Yeah, yeah. So, what about any overall impressions? Well, my big overall impression was it wasn't the Tour de France that we'd missed out on. No, you well, know, everybody, everybody I mean, hoped for that Quintana Froome Contador battle that we were all hoping for. And it didn't end up that way, but I think it was a pretty damn good battle nonetheless. It ended up being a Contador Froome Valverde Rodriguez battle. Right. I don't know. I feel like it was a I mean, obviously the tour is a tour, and let's not, you know, that was his own thing, and that was also a really great race. Exactly. But I would say that this I would have been perfectly happy to see this sort of battle at the tour as well. You know, mm-hmm. maybe had Quintana been there, that would have definitely added a different layer. Right. That's who I'm um, really bummed for. Yes. I don't disagree with that. However, I still felt like everybody had to be on their toes. Like, I never really got the impression that that Contador was cruising to the finish. You know, his... I mean, yeah, he won by over a minute, but that's still just a minute. And if you have one bad day, you can lose that. You know? Oh, and he... I. I believe he really respected Froome as a contender. A hundred percent. Yes. And Froome was like, I mean, I, I even found myself rooting for him <laughs> a couple of times, honestly, which I, has never happened. I kept waiting for the Froome <laughs> surprise and there were little glimpses of it every yeah, now and then, but yeah, you know, give you a little taste of that surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I was very, very impressed with Froome's fight. You know, he, I, he seems to, he, he rode very well for himself. You know, he 
on the te- on the days when he just needed to ride his own temple and you know not blow himself up he did that and on the days where he needed to attack and try and take time that way he did that as well he seems to be like the perfect mix of Wiggins and Froome you know <laughs> like Wiggins has always you know been very clear I know I'm not like a great I'm not an explosive rider. I'm not an attacking rider. I just have to ride my... I know what I'm able to ride at. And, like, I just need to do slow and steady and just do my own thing. And his... Like, my impression with um, Wiggins is his goal was always to... Always be upping his limit. Mm -hmm. You know? Like, how long can he go at his certain threshold? Like, or, or pushing the threshold higher. And that's how he became a good champion rider right so i think Froome took some of that and you know and he kind of realized okay there's days i don't have the legs to attack so i know what my threshold is you know i know what my limits are i'm just gonna ride to that but there were there were so many times when it just you know he's staring at the power meter and and you see that and it makes me wonder okay is this the sky tactic of know your numbers and know what your limits are and hit a number and just hold it there. And maybe, you know, he's dying, but he's got to keep that thing churning out the number. Yeah. Because they kind of planned it that if we do this, nobody will stay with you. Or if we do that, you know, you'll get the win or you'll gain this much time. And I just don't think that worked if that was what we were seeing. That was not my impression. Okay. That that's... Okay, first of all, <laughs> two things. I think maybe he was doing that on some days. And in my opinion, that is a perfectly fine tactic. The only time that I have an issue with it is that that is your only tactic. Right, right. So if, if that's one of Froome's many tactics, he has in those little, little bag of tactics tricks and he wants to pull that out and use it, go right ahead. There's nothing wrong with planning, okay, today we're going to ride at this tempo and this speed and we're going to have a plan. That's fine. And the other thing is, is just because he's looking down doesn't mean he's looking at his power meter. I look down as well (laughs) when I am really suffering. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of this idea that he's always, always staring. It's like, you don't know that he's actually looking at it. He could actually be looking right at the power meter, but be so like in the red that he's just glazed over and he's not actually seeing anything. So who knows? Right, right. And and like, I agree. And I guess when he had to attack, he attacked. And I appreciate that too. Exactly. But my point would be if that's the sky tactic and that's the you know marginal gains theory of, of know where you're at, at all times and know what your limits are at all times. Um, then I almost appreciate Contador's style or panache even more that to respond to that with attack, 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 win the queen stage, win the other queen stage, boom, boom, boom. This is how we're going to do it. You know, it's just a totally opposite style of racing. So I don't, I don't, I don't understand why this is news. (laughs) I mean, no, it's, I'm really, I'm not, not, I'm not trying not, to be but, mean. But not being a huge Contador fan, I, oh, like you're saying, you found yourself rooting for Froome a little bit. I'm on the other side saying, I, I almost started appreciating Contador a lot more than I used to. 
Okay, okay. I didn't know that you were not really a Froome fan or a Contador fan. That uh, it, makes I struggle sense. with him. Okay, all right. <laughs> I guess I can kind of respect that. Not really. I don't understand it. He's amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was just a little bit like, but that's how every. That's how it's always been. That's how it I is. I don't know. Yep. That's like, true. Contador has always been a very attacking rider, you know, and I think, you know, but I guess, and I. I guess my thing with Froome was I don't know what set him off so bad in the first week. And that's the mystery to me. Um, he just yeah. he just started behind the eight ball. And then even with his attacks, they weren't the kind of blistering turn on the blender and let it spin, you know, kind of attacks that we've seen in the past. Um Maybe he just did not that have that in him and that, this time. That's kind of the tell, or that's kind of what I'm picking up, is that this, you know, he was struggling at the start and was doing his best to do what he could. A little bit more than Contador was. And I don't know. I feel like this season has just not really been his season. Right. I feel like he's been struggling a lot, so maybe he's just not, he hasn't got his groove this year, you know? For whatever reason, and so maybe it just he spent too much time off the bike, his training isn't right, whatever. So he kind of came into that first week not where he needed to be. But you're right. I mean, although honestly, who knows where Contador was because he's coming off of that broken leg, you know, or what hairline fracture, whatever it is that he had. Right. You know, everybody was like, what's happening? And I think even he was sort of like, I have no idea how I'm going to react. Yeah. But then. I mean, that's kind of the fun I, of it, though. They were both banged up after the tour. But I think the telling thing was Contador came out of it a lot better than Froome did. Yes, you're right. I think something I, I, I mean, this is the downside of not really being able to watch it is I wasn't really able to read him enough to say, oh, yeah. this is why this is something clearly happened in that first week to sort of make, you know, Contador feel very confident and, and Froome struggle. Froome just maybe never got that confidence boost. I think it's the kind of thing we're going to learn, you know, five years from now when the book comes out. <laughs> you know, it's those details behind the scenes that we're not going to get right away. Yes. Um, so there's that to look forward to. Yeah. I, let me think. I'm kind of looking back on what was happening in the first bit. If there's anything... That might have happened. Not well, took the 10th in the time trial, I think, is really what was the tell. But he was also just behind from the beginning from the first team time trial. And he seemed to be taking every opportunity to gain little bits and pieces and seconds here and there. Yeah, you yeah. Know, intermediate sprints for seconds. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Yeah, you're right. I think he was unsure Even... of himself from the beginning. Yep. But he put up a great battle and um yeah, I'm we glad. We appreciate it, that. We appreciate yeah. that. Um Oh, looking back on our notes from last time, that reminds me that um it came out that Tyler Ferrer is going to MTN Quebeca. <laughs> that's interesting. Did somebody mention that? What do you mean? Didn't I say that's where I thought he fit in better? Oh yeah. Well, I think it was brought up in that article that we read. They kind of mentioned it. We're like, oh, that'd be interesting. We had kind of a discussion about that okay. because, you know, they picked up. Oh, who else did they pick up? 
Uh, Bosenhagen. Right. So now they've got Bosenhagen and Farah. So I didn't, I didn't think that was in the article. I thought that was my pick. Maybe not. Oh, I'll have I to don't go know. Back and I listen. thought it was in the article. I think that. Well, maybe you did. But I thought. <laughs> yeah. Either way, we definitely had a conversation about it. You. Huh? Either way. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um. So that's. I mean, he's there, and I. That's kind of exciting. That's kind of exciting for that team. I feel mm-hmm. like we're really gonna have to pay a lot more attention to them now. Um. True. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. I had one more final little point on the oh yeah Vuelta. Okay, you're right. You know, it's not in that article, so you must have brought it up. So good job, you. See? <laughs> Look at you. Look at you. It's my gut instinct. Everything else, I'm always wrong, so that's okay. <laughs> I gotta it's take nice those to be small right victories. every once in a while. Um, the other note I had on the Vuelta was Degenkolb, uh is very deserving in that. I would call him a full season guy. That guy's been there since the classics racing, racing, racing. And I think part of the tie in of my point is the Vuelta misses out on some of the grandeur, I think in that so many people just do it and drop out for the worlds, you know? And, and that's kind of sad, but it's where they are in the season. And it's, I think it takes a little edge off of the competition, not for the top GC, but for all those other, I don't know. I just think we miss out on some of that stuff. But, you know, the pure sprinters take the classics fairly lightly. Yeah. The total classics guys, you know, they either turn into domestiques or opportunists in the Grand Tours. Yep. But Degenkolb's been there all year long and i think the telling thing was you know peter sagan you know i think he was focused on the tour de france green all season long yes and rode the classics that way and really just dominated that tour green jersey competition um but deckenkolb raced and worked his ass off all season long so you know this i think this was the total payoff for for racing hard that this year so super deserving. I gain a lot of appreciation for the guy. And he killed it too. Oh yeah. And every, you know, you can say, well, Kittle and Cavendish and Greipel and all those guys aren't there, but you know, they're not there. <laughs> they could have been. I mean, to and be would able they have dropped out to ride his entire tour you know, and stayed till the very end to be able to get that jersey. Like, that's a huge accomplishment in itself, just considering the amount of climbing that there was, I think. Right, right. How many mountaintop intense stuff there was. So, yeah. And he was good all the way through. And it's so funny. I read some article where where he was like, oh, yeah, I'm not even at 100%. I'll be at 100% for Worlds. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Well, if that's his comment, I think we better watch out. I know. That's a little, I'm, yeah. Um, well, let me look and see what is coming up. Because now what? I mean, Worlds is basically like, that's the next big thing, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. I believe so. World Championship 
are next week. They start next week. Next Wednesday. Where is it? Uh, oh gosh. Uh, Spain. Okay. <laughs> Somewhere in Spain. This is a test. <laughs> and I'm not passing it. Um, then, okay, then what is it? The, oh, Lombardia. Right. That's, so Lombardia's in October on the 5th. I mean, there's, like, stuff. There's Tour de Beijing, Tour de Beijing, Perry Tour. But, I mean, it's basically just for the biggest stuff. It's World Championships and uh, Lombardia. And that's it. Yeah. Wow. Crazy to think that that's, this season's almost over. Cross is getting ready to start. Cross has already started. Well, yeah. Cross Vegas. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've already getting a lot of cross results in my feed. Seems comes earlier oh, and earlier no. every year now. Mm. That's okay. Yeah, it's still 104 here, so it's not really cross season for me. Oh yet. boy, yeah, you're not <laughs> thinking of cross yet. Can't, can't put the Navi <laughs> tires on. Nope. 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 All right, great. Well, I think we'll probably touch. Uh, yeah, we'll probably. Maybe we'll record. Maybe we'll record next week and talk about you know what's how's who's up for worlds and what's that kind of looking like. Do maybe do a little bit of preview for that. Pre worlds. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, I think. Do you that's have any it final then. notes on the? Oh, uh, let me look. Let me look. Let me look. Let's before I let me make just go through my thing. Oh no, I I never mind. I forgot. I'm getting ahead of myself here. <laughs> All right. Forgot about the rest of my notes. <laughs> so first thing I will say is that um, the pistol, yeah, Constor was definitely using the pistol quite a bit um, this race, which is unfortunate. That pistol's getting quite a workout. <laughs> he was. I want to do a study, or I want somebody to do a study. Maybe this is an inner ring thing. <laughs> How many seconds are cost doing the pistol on the finish line? Oh, jeez. Because. I noticed a couple times, you know, on a steep climb, 10 feet before the finish, he'll whip out the pistolero move. And it's almost like if he would have kept up the same pace, he'd be about a second and a half, maybe two seconds faster. I mean, so clearly he's not that concerned. Either it's a confidence thing, like, I got time to do this, no worries. Um, but, yeah, it's it's costing something. Obviously, generally. <laughs> It's I mean, clearly it's not enough for him to be concerned about it. Right. But still silly. Hey, um, seconds add up. Yeah. Also, it was just very striking to me that, you know, three of the four strongest guys there were Spanish, Rodriguez, Valverde, and Conchador. I mean, that's got to be pretty awesome to have all of those guys duking it out at the Tour of Spain. So... That actually made me pretty happy to see that. And also, was, I got to say, I was really, I was rooting for Rodriguez. I think I would have really liked to see him on the podium. But I, I don't know. My general impression of Rodriguez is that that type, that like intense climbing is not really his forte. You know, those long slug, yeah, you know, long yeah. climbs, sustained climbings are not really his forte. So, well, it's not surprising. It is a little disappointing. 
yeah, I agree he with wasn't that. bad. I mean, the Spanish thing, I've kind of come to expect. Yeah. You know, they take a lot of pride in that. Over the years, you look at the finishes, and it's Spaniards just really come out and and kill that race. Um, so I think that's part of Contador's motivation too to fight yeah. through fight through some of that. That's very true too. Yep, sort of a pride thing as well in addition to so yeah i was that was kind of cool to see so yeah i guess that was basically the end of it and i was uh, like i talked about before i was really impressed with um fabio aru i thought he was a very consistent you know climber finisher did a little bit of attacking good defensive riding in terms of just staying with the leaders so and as, and as a fabio fan <laughs> <laughs> what do you I'll say send like you that? another Astana cap huh? what <laughs> I'll have to send you another Astana cap oh gosh <laughs> oh yeah I forgot <laughs> get the full Astana kit oh god not yet not that not that dedicated <laughs> not that dedicated all right now that wraps up my my uh all of my comments the my overall impressions that I had of watching it Anything was a good else? Race. You, yeah, it was. Was, I, that was. It was very good. It was cool to see. I mean, I guess we kind of got that a little bit in the tour. You know, oh no, with the people who are I have already forgotten who even finished, but um, those it not who are not obviously you know, um, what's his face had first place sewn up, Nibali, but so everybody <laughs> that Nibali guy, that not Nibali guy. Everyone else fighting it out for the second place is good. But this one, they felt like a little bit more of a threat. Like, I never I never felt like Contador's lead was like 100% solid. So that definitely makes it a little bit more exciting. And especially right. when you have three different guys that are able to sort of be a threat to him. So it definitely... Oh, yeah. And some up. of those steep finishes, if something would have gone wrong with Contador when Freeman was attacking, mm-hmm. you know, that... that it's that would've close. Been, that would have been bad news. Bad news. So a damn good battle. Yes, it was another good, another good race, another last race, last big race of the season. Now it's withdrawals. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's time for all the doping stories to come out, right? Oh no, no, no! <laughs> no. Definitely not. Hopefully, fingers crossed. None. <laughs> Everything's clean now, right? Yep. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ouch. That was a punch All in right. the Thank you guys so much for continuing to listen to us blather on. <laughs> um, if you would like to follow me on Twitter, I am at Blooming Cyclist. And I am C Fiddy, C underscore F I D D Y. And we will talk to you next week. <laughs>